This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. Okay, Dan, so all week on the score and certainly in the aftermath, I know that you have been exposed to the feedback as well. This has felt like a victory in Chicago more than it has felt like a loss. I know of people who have called the Moline Haw Show and the score all day long for the first couple days after that game, and certainly Molly talked about it after the pregame I'm sorry, the post-game show immediately Sunday. There are people who are happier after losing to the Vikings than they were after beating the Texans because of what Justin Fields did on the field and the step that he took in terms of progress. How do you balance those two things? I know we talked about it in our immediate um, reaction to the loss, but now that you had a little bit more time to digest it, Yeah. how do you put it into context? First of all, there's going to be some overlap here with, with our QB1 segment as we try to interpret what exactly Justin Fields accomplished on Sunday and, and how we put the proper frame around it, right, and, and give it the proper size. We've said before that we have to kind of play that game of how big is your headline, right? And this is a prime example of how big is your headline on, on the actual progress that the quarterback and the Bears team made on Sunday afternoon. Listen, like our audience, thankfully, on Take the North is is the the, the – smart segment of the Chicago Bears fan base, right? Like I think everyone that's listening to this podcast right now says, Hey, we can, we can interpret this properly. I'm not taking shots at other. That's just a little joke for people, but I think there has to be a level of reality and perspective that allows you to celebrate progress, to celebrate growth without attaching significance to it. That is, out of the realm of possibility. You obviously host a morning talk show. You can tell me some of the feedback that you've received this week and what you think is legitimate excitement versus out out of this world uh, hyperbole. I see things on social media and certain articles that are written in the blogosphere that blow my mind in terms of some of the comparisons and the conclusions that are being drawn after a good half in a game your team lost. And so I think it's it's kind of our, you know, what we set out to do in our mission statement when we started this podcast is to provide the proper context and perspective to this conversation for people who are willing to remain rooted in reality and have those types of conversations. Well, a long time ago, I learned a a good lesson, whether I'm writing columns or talking on the air or whatever the case, you don't tell fans (laughs) how to act. And I, and I really, I respect that. I haven't learned that lesson yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to, I'm not, not, I'm not necessarily going to tell anybody, whether the right time to boo or the right time to cheer. I really think that from my standpoint, I do respect the right for them to interpret 
whatever happens, however they want. Now, I'm just going to tell you the way I would look at it. And the way I would look at Sunday is that it's it's incompatible for me to me to to think that you are watching the Bears and evaluating a head coach based on victories and and your organization based on how successful it is. And then when that team loses, you still feel good about it because of the progress of one player. I pretty much am certain that there are 52 other guys in there that if you would ask them to be honest about the way they felt leaving U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis on Sunday afternoon, they were disappointed. Now, Justin Fields likely was as well. I'm just I'm not singling him out, but I think that you can't tell me that they felt better about that loss than they right. did about the victory they celebrated against the Texans or anybody. So I think that, and I, and I tried to allude this morning, and I'll be brief. We have become desensitized to losing in professional <laughs> yes. sports because it, it somehow has been interpreted this is the pathway you have to go down to find success. You want to tank to get the better draft pick. You want to lose so you can win. And I think that we become conditioned to almost rooting for that or accepting that even in the spite of uh, what it really, it, it's contrary to everything we learn as a competitor or everything yes. we loved about sports. You know, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing said Vince Lombardi once. And I think that you forget that sometimes when we start to rationalize what we saw and we start to feel better about losses than victories because of what we have allowed this professional sports culture 2022 to do to us. Well, we can also talk about the Chicago sports culture as well, and particularly the Bears culture. And I think that there has been um, such a detachment from sustained success when following this football team that people are willing to uh get excited and get juiced up and get adrenalized by, by mere competence. Right. And, and that, that's what bothers me to some extent. And that's, you know, I'm forever going to sit on this podcast to go on the other outlets that I have and, and tell people to raise the bar, right? Like what you're after here as a Chicago bears organization, as a Chicago bears fan is for your team to experience the highest of, of highs, right. And, and the glory that means things. And that's, that's championships. Right. And so, being sort of satisfied, being energized, being content with with mere competence to me is it's just strange. It's uncomfortable for me. It's why I push back on on some of the the, the energy. I understand fans need to have something to cling to and they want to make uh, to, to be able to feel like they're not wasting their time. But raise the bar. Like, let's raise the bar from what you expect. I understand this is a rebuilding year. We've said it from the get-go. None of us are expecting them to be in the hunt in late December. None of us are expecting them to win nine or ten games. We know what this team is. And so so little moments of progress have to be acknowledged. I'm fine with acknowledging them. It's it's all about how much significance, right, and, and perspective you attach to them. And that's where this conversation gets muddied because – Oftentimes, as we've talked about before, it's the people with the extreme takes that get out the megaphones and they shout at each other. And then it's the people that are grounded in the reality zone, as I like to call it, in, in that zip code of the reality zone that, that, that wound up being outshouted. And yet they're the ones with the more rational perspective. And so I think this week is another taste of that. Right. And we've got to figure out a way to to swim through it to some extent. Well, here's the other thing I think is interesting. And, and I uh, I look at so you look around the league and and. And I think parity is a byproduct of everything the, uh, of, of the NFL's salary cap and a lot of other reasons, but it's there. It exists. It's real. And you look at how many one possession games there are, and, and you look at the scores 
of week five's results and you see how many games came down to the final quarter or the final possession or within one touchdown. And certainly the bears were in that category. They had a lead in the fourth quarter for goodness sakes that they blew because of a 17 play 75 yard drive. My point is this, if you're close every Sunday, or if you take the any given Sunday approach to a league that invites that and where that is the reality Right. Why wouldn't you want to go the other way and think that even though we can all acknowledge this is an inferior roster in terms of talent, even though we can acknowledge this is a young team that's going to make mistakes, why wouldn't you want them to come as close as possible to actually getting a victory in a league where that's possible or actually pulling one off <laughs> yeah. because I, winning creates a culture and there's nothing that's going to enhance a young quarterback's development more than being the, the leader of a team that is surprising people and making them play to every through every game to the 60th minute. Well, you made a good point a few minutes ago and you used the word competitor, which I think is a very important word to use because I stood in that locker room at U.S. Bank Stadium on, on Sunday afternoon and I saw the dismay on Eddie Jackson's face as he sat slouched in front of his locker stall. I went one room over and saw Roquan Smith in a corner fuming, right? Pissed off, literally pissed off at the way that game had gone and how they had lost. I watched Darnell Mooney not leave the bench for about 30 seconds after the, the final gun on Sunday because he was disappointed that they didn't get over the hump. I think you can be and assuming that, that Justin Fields wasn't satisfied with the end result. That guy has told you from the minute he got here that he's used to winning in his life and losing bothers him to a great extent. And so it definitely bothered him. And so I guess part of that is just sort of a cue to the outside world and the fan base to, to say, be be upset with them, right? Be upset that, that your team and your franchise has not done enough over years, right? That puts you in this position where merely failing by a close margin makes you happy, right? Like that shouldn't be where we're at, right? And, and, and it's it, it's just, it's numbing sometimes to see, again, the the, the willingness to celebrate mere competence. It's just, it's it, it's incredible to me. And, and, and it comes in different levels. And again, the quarterback discussion uh, stands alone and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But again, you talk about a game Thursday night now against the commanders, right? That team is very beatable, right? That team is not very good. But neither are you. You are also beatable and not very good. And so if you're not super sharp, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, Thursday night, we're going to wake up Friday morning, be having another postgame uh, podcast with the Bears at two and four and, and, and feeling like, man, they let another opportunity to grow their culture, which, as you mentioned a minute ago, should be a winning culture with uh, a losing effort. Right. And that can't be accepted. It cannot be accepted. It's not what Matt Eberflus is about. And so let's see what they do this week. And just the last thing on this is that if we are here on Friday morning, and we are talking about a Bears loss in a game that Justin Fields plays well, or we're talking about a Bears win in a game where Justin Fields struggles, I would choose the latter if having to choose between the two. I would think a victory is always going to be the one you pick. I That's just me, and I respect everybody's right to sit there and think, oh boy, are you an idiot or whatever the case, but I'm never going to come off that point because I just am not wired any other way. Now, that said, I have to add this. There, nobody ever said that those they have to be exclusive goals and that they both, you can win 
and develop a quarterback at the same time. You don't have to do one at the expense of the other. Sometimes that's just the reality you have to accept. And I'm, I'm answering the question, if having to choose between a victory with my quarterback struggling or a loss and he, he balls out, I'm, ta- I'm taking the win every time. I just am. Well, let's take another page of the choose your own adventure there and add one for how about winning because your quarterback is the reason you win. Right. And I think that's that's, the ideal. I think some of that is is what growth looks like in the NFL. And I understand the supporting cast isn't great and and the defense isn't great. And there's going to be bumps and bruises here. But we better not get to to mid-January and be looking at a season where, where the Bears won one or two games because Justin led them to victory. Right. It should be more than that. And that's what they've got to start setting their their sights on. Uh, And that's what the quarterback has to have his sights set. That on and 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 we'll we'll continue to filter it through here again uh, this audience here these people listening right now to us right now great people i love their ability to, to stick with us and, and have this grounded discussion a couple nuts and bolts things for those people who are hanging with us jalen johnson returned <laughs> to the practice field on monday it was a walkthrough but he seems to have been uh healed and he's improved he said on the parkinson spiegel show on the score he plans to play 100 is the way i think he put it Dan, he will go right back into his role. But Jalen Jones, did he acquit himself well? Did he deserve um, to be a guy that you can count on moving forward? I know Johnson is a, no, is a no-brainer, but what did Jalen Jones do for his stock with the Bears? Well, look, I think he gained experience, right? And I think he's giving you some things on special teams right now that are uh, valuable, right? And it's the reason that this kid, as an undrafted rookie, made the 53-man roster to start the season. It's a reason he got a quick elevation to start when Jalen Johnson was out. I still think there were moments in that game Sunday where you say, man, Justin Jefferson ate him alive, right? With just some of the releases, some of the movements, some of the abilities to create separation and get open. There's a lot to learn for a young cornerback. That's certainly a tough proving ground to learn it. Uh, They got to make some strides there, but I think at least you feel like you got a guy who uh, wasn't, intimidated by the moment and and he's going to have to have more success certainly but but at least you feel like he's not going to have these catastrophic mistakes real interesting little tidbit before moving on Jalen Jones getting replaced the undrafted rookie free agent from Ole Miss turns 25 this week Jalen Johnson the Pro Bowl caliber cornerback who is the Bears number one cover corner going back to the lineup 23 years old okay so you've got the young guy who is actually a veteran who has proven himself replacing the older guy who is on the way up and had to be pressed into action accidentally in an, in case of an emergency, just a little interesting tidbit. All right, let's look at the commanders with Carson Wentz quickly. Ron Rivera put his foot in it a little bit answering <laughs> a question, honestly, about what uh, was different about the teams that are uh, excelling in the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. And he said, quarterback, now, there was more context to that. There was more. There were more layers to that discussion. There's nuance that was lost, but the headline is Ron Rivera doesn't believe in his quarterback. And I'm sure that, you know, Alex Smith, uh, ESPN analyst, former Washington Commanders quarterback, criticized him publicly. I'm sure Ron Rivera probably had to explain himself behind closed doors. What was your take on that? Well, look, Carson Wentz is not uh, gathering momentum at all, right? We know how it ended in Philly. We know how it ended in Indy. We know how it started in Washington. And if you remember, David, in the spring of what what year was it? 21 2021, or 20, yeah. 21, right? Like there were the, the rumors and they were ultimately unfounded that the Bears were expressing heavy interest in Carson Wentz. I did some digging at that time and was told, nope, 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 not interested. Uh, we've got enough uh, <laughs> intel on, on, on Carson Wentz from people who know him really well. 
well to know that this is not a good fit uh, and it's not the, the type of guy you want to build around. And so that's starting to follow Carson around the league a little bit. And when you struggle and when you don't have the ability to, to be kind of a galvanizing leader amid struggle, people start to turn their back on you really quickly. And so Look, you talk about an opportunity for the Bears here. When you've got a, a team that's one and four and reeling and they're losing belief in their starting quarterback quickly, you better pounce, right? And you better keep that doubt in their head from the first quarter on and see if you can do something. Uh, it will be interesting to see how Ron Rivera handles it throughout the rest of the week. It'll be interesting to see how they, they kind of try to establish some successful situations for Carson Wentz. But you can tell already that uh, there, there's a little bit of uh, hesitance and, and doubt in, in how they feel about their quarterback. Back to 2021, as the story goes, what I I was told was that Doug Peterson, who had coached uh, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, Matt Nagy, one of Peterson's best friends, was the head coach of the Bears, might have had a conversation, Peterson to Nagy, about maybe you might not want to be too uh, enamored or encouraged to go in that direction. It might not be the greatest fit. And you're right, that reputation, once it begins to get formed, you wonder how much it will follow you throughout the league. And this is his you know, second stop since Philadelphia and you respect him because he has some skills, but you wonder about him being the this focal point of an offense. Now he is coming in after throwing for 359 yards last week. They've lost four in a row. Yeah. Two, two of those games though, Dan, I think that this season Carson Wentz has thrown for more than 300 yards. He's got or had over hundred passer rating. He's thrown for a ton of yards. They're averaging 42 passes per game the Bears have to get to the quarterback and rattle a guy who I think can be rattled. No doubt. And one of the bright spots from Sunday's game was the play of Travis Gibson. And you go through that film again and you watch some of the 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 plays he made both against the run and rushing the passer that that continue to show his his growth and his development and his uh upward arc right and so so he's another guy that's going to have to get loose and, and and take advantage of more opportunity you hope that he has earned more opportunity they've been using that rotation up front with him and al-kadim mohammed obviously robert quinn also in that mix across the way uh so they've they've got to just continue to find ways to uh to, to find opportunities for travis gibson this week presents another one where where you can uh you can really get after carson wentz and maybe make a game-changing play